I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Late in the first half, Raptors up 62-58 on the Pacers. Raptors have won 12 in a row. NHL tonight in the third. Toronto leading Anaheim 3-1. Sabres up 2-0 on the Rangers. Blue Jackets lead the Red Wings 1-0. And late in the first period, no score between the Wild and the Stars. Oil Kings just getting underway at Rogers Place as they take on the Red Deer Rebels. Okay, goalie Doc called in before the news wanted the uh the save percentage stats so i, I actually get these off hockeyreference.com it's hockey-reference.com i'm sure you guys have been to the site uh now the problem with this is it does factor in empty net goals but you know it'll be it'll be a pretty close ballpark figure the uh, oilers team save percentage 900 21st in the league the uh, league average is 904 yakishev wants to know where they wound up last year 27th at 899 league average of 905 again this will include some empty net goals naturalstattrick.com you can just uh, filter it out at even strength and uh, the Oilers even strength save percentage uh, not that good 904 26th in the NHL so they are below average save percentage team having said that They've had a lot of good games from their goaltenders, and I, and I don't know if you'd put uh, a lot of um, I don't know if you'd pin a lot of a lot of losses strictly on the goalies. So anyway, those are the stats: below average save percentage as a team for the Oilers this season. There you go. It'll be the Oilers and the Predators. Tomorrow night at Rogers Place, second meeting of the season between the two teams. And, of course, the uh, Predators coming off a victory last night in Calgary as they're one of those teams trying to stay afloat in the playoff race, very tight in the Pacific, and it's uh, very tight when you factor in the wildcard spots as well. Roman Yossi carries. Yossi from the left side gave it back. Fabro has shot the score. Shot by Turris is stopped in front and a rebound on the score. Kyle Turris went after that puck. Out for Yossi. Fakes give to Turris. Back to Yossi. The blast and the puck tripped into the net. I don't know if Gronlin will get credit for it or not, but I think he was the last one to touch it. Under eight to go. Predators lead by a goal to the Nashville Blue Line. Mangiapane and company couldn't keep it in, and that's going to do it. The Nashville Predators had to hang on here in the Never third period. Yes. <laughs> they win the game 3-2. That voice, legendary. It's Pete Weber from the Predators play-by-play booth. Pre- uh, Pete, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you very much, Reed. Well, it's great to have you on the show. It was nice to quickly see you this morning. And uh, it's always a pleasure when you come to Edmonton because you're you're one of the uh, you're you're just a happy guy to be around. And I'm not trying to suck up. I just think people should know. I get to meet other broadcasters, and you're always in a good mood. You're always professional. I just love talking to you. So thanks for coming on the show. 
Well, I appreciate that. Thank you so very much. I, I want to have a little bit of fun with you here before we uh, before we get into the hockey stuff. Can you tell me what the reverse Oz effect is? Well, the reverse Oz effect is where you go from things being in brilliant, vivid, leap out at you color to shades of gray and black and white. It would kind of like be uh, watching on your 95-foot video screen at home and going from watching the Super Bowl in 8K with 20 cameras. And by the way, what the heck happened with the cameras trying to you know, determine touchdown or not in that Super Bowl this time around? Uh, and going back to watching an episode of Perry Mason or Alfred Hitchcock. Uh, that's, that's the reverse Oz effect, essentially, in my mind. Now, when did you come up with that? Do you remember the moment? I don't recall the particular moment, but I do believe it happened during uh, the Bills Super Bowl run in the early 90s. Okay, so that was the first time you, you threw that out there. That's, I got to ask because I, you know, I always try to find a little tidbit about a guest that I was like, oh, yeah. I don't think I've ever asked Pete about the reverse Oz effect. Well, that's pretty good. Um, Albuquerque. Well, we also had, we also had going to Oklahoma City and in baseball there. Uh, where they had all sports stadium, curiously named, uh, because they only played one sport there. But all sports stadium there had a little rise that went uh, where kids were tumbling down the grass field there that was uh, kind of like what they used to refer to uh, as near Dealey Plaza in Dallas, the the high hill. And uh, that was from, you know, assassination time back in 1963. Okay. Albuquerque Dukes, did you come call games against the Edmonton Trappers? Yes, I did. Matter of fact, I was just thinking about that uh, as we were pulling into town last night, thinking about how it was uh, in June of 81 uh, coming in for our one series here. And that was when uh, everybody's going, hey, you're coming from Albuquerque. Hot. Yes, hot all the time. Couldn't even play day games for the most part. But came here, and I had to buy a sweater uh, because in doing the games, <laughs> I just didn't have anything like that packed uh, for the uh, for the occasion. Okay, uh, fun time. You have so many great memories, Pete. But uh, we'll see what the Predators could do. They've been able to win a couple in a row. They're one point behind Calgary for the wild card spot. One of the uh, the mini teams that has made some significant changes uh, this season. Tell us first of all about about the story. Uh, behind the bench. Hines has come in. Laviolette was there for a while, had some pretty good seasons. Just kind of walk me through that the whole uh, the whole situation with the coaching change and the impact since then. Yeah, so it's fair to say that the best seasons this franchise ever had was with Peter Laviolette behind the bench. I mean, and they went to the Stanley Cup Final in 2017. What, five uh, straight finishes in the playoffs, but things just were not... Uh, Responding, I don't think, commensurate with the talent level on the team. So David Poyle, who was not exactly a knee-jerk hockey executive, and who, by the way, began really learning the game here in this town when his dad was running the old uh, Edmonton Flyers for the Detroit Red Wings, he was not disappointed. He was, I mean, he was disappointed with the way the team was, was performing. And 38 years as an NHL general manager, I believe this is, only the second time he ever has made an in-season coaching change. So that gives you a little bit of an idea of the patience of the man and the direness, if you will, of the situation with the club uh, not responding very well. 
The story and goal for the Predators, uh, you know, Rene has been uh, outstanding. I know his numbers have maybe dipped over the last couple of years. They have UC Soros as well. Is it a changing of the guard situation, or how do you see it? I think it's still a 1 and a 1A, and I think it's still Pecorino with the 1. He played his last game was on Saturday night against the Vegas Golden Knights and lost 3-0. Now, on surface, that looks like, well, that's just horrendous the way things are for this team right now. But had it not been for his play, that could have been a 6 7 8 nothing loss that Saturday night. Uh, I think that what John Hines had to straighten out more than anything after coming in was defensive zone coverage. Uh, the Predators changed really from man-to-man to zone type of coverage, and I think that's simplified things for them greatly and certainly made life better for the goaltenders uh the team has won seven games under john hines and six of them have been by one goal and i'm not saying that's all just because john hines coming in but i do think simplifying things with the t-zone has made things uh, much easier if this is easy at all <laughs> much easier for the team at this point Pete Weber, Predators play-by-play voice, joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Oilers and Nashville play tomorrow at 5 at Rogers Place. Uh, pretty thank good. you for that, read. by the way. We like being the leadoff game on Hockey Night in Canada. And, uh, <laughs> yes, and people might not have realized that in this uh, quadruple header of uh, Canadian uh, games for Hockey Night spread across the country, that uh, Tennessee has now been uh, accredited and moved over to a Canadian province. That's right. We've annexed Tennessee. So <laughs> the, now with seven Canadian teams, some Canadian team on Hockey Day in Canada has to play an American club, and it's the Nashville Predators and the Oilers this season. And, yes, the 5 o'clock starts, so you're not on, uh, what are you guys, an hour ahead of us usually? So the fans yeah. back in Nashville get a more normal start time. Yeah, from central to to the mountain time, it's it's nothing like. And a few years ago was the first time when they had started the uh, hockey night in Canada post game show. Uh, the the you know, and uh, I think we waited. Jordan Tutu was the guest, so I will take you back a little bit. Jordan Tutu was the uh, post game guest for Scott Oak, and I do believe we were waiting and waiting and waiting, and then finally were able to leave uh, in Vancouver and, and then get back to the airport and fly home to Nashville. Uh, after hours, right? The show where yep. they, they have uh, they, they have the guest on. Yeah, that is pretty pretty late, but the central time zone, you're, you're yes. pretty well. Co- I guess when you go out to the west coast, you might have some wonky start times, maybe a 9.30? Yeah, uh, quite a few 9.30s. And it's interesting that historically, if we are going to have some kerfuffles, some broadcast bloopers, they usually seem to happen when we are in the Pacific time zone. So uh, that's, you know, maybe something special to we can't look forward to tomorrow night, but can in the future. How, how have you adjusted to uh, Roger's place? Because all the, all the guys say it's too, too far away from the ice. Well, I don't mind doing the games from Yellowknife, quite <laughs> frankly. I, I think. <laughs> that's, oh, see, Pete, you're, you're so sharp. You always got one right there. <laughs> I have to admit, I stole it from somebody on Twitter last night. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. It's... I'm gonna I'm gonna be like Milton Berle here. I'm gonna steal somebody else's joke, and uh, but I won't take credit for it as my own. Okay. So, if, and and as we said, you you've done AAA baseball. You've done uh, you've done football. Obviously, you've done hockey. Um, I, I I think you've probably done NCAA stuff at some point. So, NBA. Yeah, NBA too. So you, I mean, you've you've done it all. You have an incredible career. What is 
like any sport, any league, worst broadcast location you've ever had to call a game from? Ooh. Um, well, I'm going to have to go to uh, – first, I'll go minor league baseball and then segregate that from the big league sports that I have done. But there were a couple of places, one uh, in Salem, New Hampshire, in the Eastern Baseball League, where we did baseball games from the left field corner. That was a little ridiculous. Uh, same thing happened in AAA in Denver uh, when they were the uh, Denver Zephyrs before the uh, Rockies moved in there. And we were down, I'd say, 50 feet beyond first base in the football press box. And I had a little system worked out with our catcher at the time, Joel Skinner, because I couldn't tell inside or outside. And he would exaggerate with his mitt so I can pick up on where the pitches were or were coming toward anyway and and work along those lines. Let me see. Uh, it would be in really in many ways when I was working with Chick Kern. I helped him on the Lakers broadcast when Pat Riley went from being his broadcast assistant to assistant coach for the Lakers. And right at home there, as Chick used to say, high atop the western sideline at the Forum in Inglewood. That was the only place in the NBA where we were upstairs and not courtside. So that took some adjustments to make to be certain. In the NFL, when we had the more of the multi-purpose stadia, I'd have to say doing a football broadcast from the baseball press box in Cincinnati, so uh, effectively you're in a corner of an end zone. That was uh, more than a little bit of a challenge. Uh, in hockey, we were spoiled for so long uh, from working in the Olympia in Detroit where you were hanging over the side of the boards like it was in the old Winnipeg Arena, like it was at the Colisee in Quebec City, and like it was in long-time my home rink in Buffalo at the Odd. You were just hanging right over and seeing everything else. So understanding where the uh, the revenue streams, that's the, the new terminology that uh, sports executives like, where the revenue streams come in, that seems to uh, displace the broadcaster into some place that is not as desirable. I, I just, you must have had a lot of respect on that baseball team that the catcher was calling the game and had you in mind while he's in the heat of the game. That's pretty Joel incredible. Skinner, great guy, he, uh, an absolutely great guy, uh, and, and very cooperative. And you said the Denver, the Denver Zephyrs, they were named yes. after a breeze? Well, the breeze or, and this was never explicitly defined, because they had been the Denver Bears for years. Then they were moving toward a major league expansion outfit. And the people who owned the franchise either named it after a breeze or a very famous uh, Burlington Northern Railroad line that went out to California called the Denver Zephyr. Oh, wow. So, we're not certain about that. And, of course, Denver was a big railroad town. Ah, Pete, that is amazing. Well, we did, we talked a little bit about the Predators, but we got some pretty good stories in there as well. So I, I, I count this segment as a win. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you very much. And I want now, what can we find out about and What do I need to do for you to find out more about The Simpsons? Because I understand you have, <laughs> yes. what, every episode on VHS tape? I don't have every episode on VHS tape. I have the first 18 seasons on VHS tapes. I was okay. such a fan of the show, I would record every show, and then eventually it got to the point where it just wasn't viable, and I lost a little bit of interest in the show, though I kept watching. So, yeah, I, that's why I tweeted that yesterday when Disney Plus was like, hey, we have all 30 seasons streaming. Uh, I was like, big deal. I got 18 seasons sitting in my spare room. 
Well, we've got, I mean, there's a good friend of mine, Ken Levine, who uh, wrote uh, for the MASH series. And I met while he was doing to, you know, sort of accommodate a childhood wish of his. He was doing AAA baseball uh, in Syracuse initially. And he was so taken by a broadcaster who still is with since 1974, the Indianapolis Indians, Howard Kelman. He worked Howard Kelman into an episode oh, of wow. The Simpsons. Oh, I gotta find that. Hey, okay, that rhymes. Was that no? That was uh, was that that was Bob Miller that was in Cheers. His voice was in Cheers, or was that? Yes, yes. Right. Okay. Bob was my yeah. Well, I worked with in L.A. Right. Right. Awesome guy too. Pete, I'll see you at the rink. This was so much fun. Thank you for making time. Looking forward to it, and we'll figure out about uh, the CFL free agent signings, and uh, let's try to work out how Ottawa drafted. Two dead guys so many years ago. <laughs> did happen. That is Pete Weber checking in from the Nashville Predators play-by-play booth, uh, 102.5 The Game. They, what an awesome guest. I love, Kellen, how fun was that? How can we follow that? That was awesome. <laughs> that's, that's, that's it. He's, he's, he's so good. <laughs> he's so good. Like, dropping all the references in, and he's, he's covered every sport imaginable in his career. And, and just uh, an absolutely awesome gentleman for sure. 780-496-0063 if you would like to chime in by calling or texting. This is Inside Sports. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It is 726 Inside Sports on uh, 630 Chet. Some guests on the show get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, bringing down South Comfort Food to Edmonton with their creative take on Southern Classic Spun with a modern twist. Uh, excellent to have Pete Weber on the show. He'll be calling the game for the Predators Radio Network tomorrow night. You'll hear a little bit more from some members of the Edmonton Oilers, Dreisaitl and Cassian, as they try to bounce back from a couple of bad games. Nashville tomorrow at 5. James says the Simpsons should do a hockey episode with Bob Cole's voice. Well, that'd be pretty cool. They did do that hockey episode. That was a long time ago when Lisa and Bart were on different teams. Hack the bone! Hack the bone! Wasn't that what Lisa was yelling? I think it was. Still the best Simpsons sports-related... I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg... This is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So it is the baseball one where oh, they had all the, all the baseball guys voicing themselves. Mm-hmm. Mattingly, you got to take care of those sideburns. lead the Ducks 4-3 with three minutes left. Anaheim came back to tie it after being down 3-1, but Spezza has just scored, so 4-3 Toronto, three minutes left. Late in the third period, Sabres up 3-2 on the Rangers. Also late in the third, Blue Jackets up 2-0 on the Red Wings. Shots are 44-15 for Columbus. Start of the second period, Dallas up 1-0 on Minnesota. Raptors up 75-73 at Indiana. Seven minutes to go in the third quarter. Raptors have won 12 in a row. Oil Kings tonight. 
1-1 against Red Deer. Eight minutes left in the first. U of A Golden Bears at home tonight against Manitoba. 3-0 for the U of A with four minutes left in the first period. 780-496-0063. If you'd like to get through, we have Harry on the line. Go ahead, Harry. Uh, hey, Reed, thanks for taking the call. I just wanted to ask your opinion on one thing and make a comment about another. Uh, first one, the comment. Um, do you find it odd, or, or could I ask you, if you were looking at good goalies in the NHL, let's, because Nashville's here, let's talk about Pickerini. Mm-hmm. Pretty solid goalie. Would you not say that's reasonable to say that good goalies have to get beat on good shots and not get beat on the same shot all the time? Yes, in so, general, yes. So that's my issue with Koskinen is I always find Koskinen getting beat the exact same way. And that then segues into my next comment, which is I don't understand, like, Dustin Schwartz is not an NHL goalie. And if, as a casual observer of the game, amongst other fans, we can see that Koskinen is routinely getting beat on the same type of shots, it makes one wonder, what is this guy doing as our goal coach? And then that goes into my last thing where I need your, I wanted to ask you your opinion on something. Based on the trade discussions or the contract discussions going on with Nurse, would you ever do this kind of situation where you consider trading Nurse to save a potential six or eight million dollars? Consider bringing back someone like Brandon Davidson on a really low contract to fill out our bottom six. Maybe if Bouchard's ready, bring him up to fill out our, our decor. And would you ever take a run at Markstrom in Vancouver? to really solidify goaltending next year if you could bury Costin. Okay, well, Smith might not be back next year either. Remember that. He's only on a yep. one-year deal. Um, okay. I, I will say this, Harry. Dustin, there there have been three general managers who could have fired Dustin Schwartz, and none of them have. Um, and I, I, only, I only get calls about Dustin Schwartz when a goalie has a bad game. Um, I and I, I will tell you this: Peter Shirelli, uh, at the start of last year, told some of us in the media that Koskinen had trouble catching pucks, and he has been beat over the glove. And he was he was last night. I think Koskinen's had a decent year. I think Smith's had a decent year. Um, Smith obviously is a very unorthodox goalie, as I'm sure you've noticed. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, and, and I always say this about Schwartz, you know, if if we're gonna if we're gonna bash him, I, you know, I get it. That's how pro sports works. Cam Talbot had his best year in the NHL with Dustin Schwartz as his goalie coach. So I think you got to look at the whole body of work. You know, will Holland keep him beyond this year? I don't know, but if Holland thought he was that bad, he probably would have got got rid of him. I don't Either? think I don't think Nurse is going to get eight million dollars. I think that's you know been pretty thinly reported. I'm, I'm sure the agent is going to start as high as he can. Oh yeah, okay. Um, I, I I don't think he gets eight million dollars. I you know I hope they can get him for around six. I, I mean if here here's what I would do if I were Ken Holland. Okay. I would say to Nurse's camp, we like Darnell. We know what he brings. We got a young man near named, here named Ryan Nugent Hopkins who's really popular and who has suffered a lot with this team and for this team. Mm-hmm. You, do you want to respect that and maybe not come in above six or right at six? Because he's not going to get dry sidle or he's not going to get dry money. 
I wonder yeah. if Holland could try to set an internal cap where Nuge is always your third highest paid player. I mean, take Neil out of the equation for now, because that's a different no, That's a good situation. way of looking at it. I like that analogy. Can I ask you one last question? Yes. What do you think about Galchenyuk? <sighs> I think he's wildly inconsistent, and I'm not sure he would have the attention to detail that Tippett is currently frustrated with with this current group of players. What, what do you okay. think? You know what? I took a look at his videos, like, you know, those compilations on YouTube, and you watch his release. It's kind of epic. He's been through a lot, I think, with what happened in Montreal and then now not being really utilized in Pittsburgh. It kind of minds, it reminds you a little bit about um, uh, Kovalchuk now kind of having a little bit of a minor rebirth in Montreal. And I just wonder if you brought him in. He's on the last, last year of his contract. Yep. It's going to be prorated for the year. And if we could get Pittsburgh to hold on a little bit of salary, maybe send Kara back their way, it could be worth the experiment. Yeah, he'd be an experiment for sure. I, I mean, he's only 25, right? So you wonder if he's going to get it back. He scored 30 as a 21-year-old, I believe. 20 yep. or 21-year-old with the Canadians. I think a 21-year-old with the Canadians. Um, that's an interesting name. I, I've seen Tatar's name out there. The Oilers flat out can't afford Tatar. Yep. Um, CU is interesting. And another name I'm going to throw out there, remember, Blake Coleman from the New Jersey Devils. Do I didn't even look at that. Uh, I believe he already has 19 goals. I think he's signed for one and a half for another year. But what, do you, what would you send back their way? Well, you'd probably, for Coleman, you'd, you might have to send even... Uh, he's up to 20 goals now in 53 games. Well, you might, I mean, you might have to send, uh, you might have to give them a second or maybe you give one of the B-grade defense prospects. I, I don't know if anybody's taking care at this point, Harry. That's the problem there. I mean, you're taking yeah. on another project, right? With Without high-end score. Not, like, I'm not saying Galchenyuk has high-end scoring potential, but he has decent scoring potential. So that'd be, like, if you're giving up Kara a team might take him on as a project but he's a project to be a third liner not a top six winger no it's true i I appreciate your suggestions you're very well thought out um i didn't even ask you a question about markstrom oh yeah what what do you think about that well i think he's a he's he's a pretty good goal he's having a good year i mean where like that's the value of golton and and i like a lot of things about vancouver but where are they without him right how many how many points has he been worth i think he's been responsible for a lot I think. I mean, he's he's positionally strong. You take a look look at him compared to to Costin. They're both, I think, I don't know, maybe within an inch or two of each other. But he's the thing. The thing that bothers me about Costin is the things when he came in here and he was kind of criticized about like kind of sliding way too far out of his net. That was it. The third goal or the fourth goal where he was out of position. Darnell was trying to cover the net, but they still scored that goal. These are errors that he just keeps making. And, you know, at some point in time, as a professional, you got to look at yourself and say, what is it that I keep doing wrong? And I got to stop doing it because it's costing critical. It's, I'm not going to say it's costing a game, but I'm going to say it's costing a majorly bad goal at a bad time. It, was it the third goal, read? Uh, am I right? Yeah, the one the kid scored his first goal. And, and Connor peeled off on that play, too, uh, Latunov's yeah. goal. Yeah, I, 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 that's fair. And you know what? I would compare Koskinen's game last night to the game Smith had in uh, in Minnesota in 
in December where he was, Smith gave up six. Maybe you didn't give up a horrible goal, but you sure didn't stop anything you, that you'd expect to stop. Sure didn't make okay. tough saves. So do you do you feel at this time of year, if you have Smith going on a little bit of a run, are you a big believer in altering altering who's in net just for the sake of altering it? Or No, not like anymore. You, yeah, me not too. anymore. I mean, I mean, you might. I mean, they'll obviously split the back-to-backs, and I don't think mm-hmm. they they would want Koskinen to go totally stale. But yeah. I, you know, he started Smith. What he started him four games on that road trip. I mean, yeah. I, I, if Smith is playing well, I'd have no problem with him playing seven or eight out of every ten. Yeah, I agree with you. All right, Harry, Thank appreciate you. it. Take care. Okay, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Leon Dreisaitl says the Oilers need to turn it around quickly here. At this time of the year, uh, your compete level should be um, right up there, especially in the situation that we're in, right? So that's not really an excuse. Um, other teams play 82 games too, and they're, they're able to uh, compete. So um, like you said, it happens. It's a long season. It does happen, but uh, we have to make sure it happens um, You know, a lot less than... than than the other way around. So, yeah, like I said, we've had two, two bad games here, so we have to, uh, a good chance to regroup tomorrow. And Zach Cassian says the Oilers got to get back to a cleaner style of play. We're getting outworked on some, but then there's mental relapse too. There's, it's a combination of both, which are biting us in the butt right now. Um, we had a decent practice today. There's things we have to improve on. There's things we're going to have to do better tomorrow against a team that's playing pretty well right now. So those things are going to happen. But like I said, this time of the year, you have to limit those as much as possible. You can't let points slip away. And we feel we've let those last two games slip away from us. Uh, like I mentioned, it's frustrating, but um, we don't have any time to feel sorry for ourselves or be frustrated. we got to get back on and we got to get in the wind column tomorrow. I like how Cassie puts that at the beginning. They, they are getting outworked, but there are also some mental lapses. And, and I think as much of the last couple of games for the Oilers, it, it's concentration as much as anything. Like, I don't think they're going into the game saying, hey, well, we're, we're going to not try as hard as we can. But I, I, I think they, they lose the attention to detail a little bit. And that leads to the lost battles and it spirals out of control. Uh, I'm going to be at... Oh, did you hear about this, Kellen? I'm going to be at Hudson's on White Ave on... Wednesday mm-hmm. for this hot AF wing challenge. And I believe I'm coming in Monday morning on the morning show to try these these hot AF wings. Ah. By the way, somebody told me what AF stands for. It's quite naughty. It's a little titillating. Uh, but anyway, you can go to the contest page on 630ched.com and you can enter to win a $100 gift card to Hudson's. And then this hot AF challenge on Wednesday, White Ave Hudson's, uh, I believe it starts at 7 you have to eat an order of these wings in two minutes or less, and you get free wings for a year. How many how many people do you think are going to try this? It sounds difficult. It, there might they're be a hot few. AF. There might be a few. They are as hot AF. Hey, free wings for a year is a very tempting offer. Anyway, I get to try these on Monday, and uh, and then I'll be there uh, helping uh, Hudson's get this going on. on. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. 
on Wednesday. An inside look into CFL free agent or free agency with player agent Rob Fry when we get back. All right, CFL free agency on Tuesday for an inside look at what's going on. CFL player agent Rob Fry. Rob, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. How are you, Reed? I'm doing great. It's awesome to have you on the show. Certainly a busy time of year for somebody in your position. Before we get to some of the things that are going on with free agency this year, give us a little bit of a bio here. Uh, how, how long have you been doing this, uh, this, <laughs> this crazy job and representing players? Yeah, it's, it's been a good run. I'm, I'm entering my uh, my 10th draft class. That's sort of the way I always look back on things as I, I keep track of the years by by the draft classes that I've I've represented. And uh, it's hard to believe it's uh, the, the 10th one already. I started out uh, in Edmonton. Uh, after university, I moved out to Edmonton and started working um, in professional soccer. And on the side, started building my uh, professional football uh, agency business. And... Um, a few years in, I partnered up with a bigger firm, Gil Scott Sports. Uh, Gil's been doing this a long time, representing coaches and players for over 40 years now. So I got to learn from one of the best in the business, and I've been working with Gil now for uh, seven years. And uh, the business has built, and we've transitioned into the NFL as well as the CFL. And uh, like you said, yeah, this is the best time of year now, finding all these guys uh new homes or, or sticking with their current homes it's all going to go down in, in the next week or so here yeah well, th- well there's a lot going on and I, I mean i remember free agency day last year for the eskimos he was just signing after signing announced and it was it was pretty exciting i, I mean how do you sort of handle the increased demands at, at, at this time of year because you know like you said all of a sudden there might be players changing teams deciding whether they want to change a team uh, or not i mean do you get any do you get any sleep jerk this window here yeah, it's a preparation is a big, big part of it, and just just being organized. You know, you have every every player is like its own file for me, and uh, I, I look at every guy individually, look at where they are at in their career and in their family life, and just sort of have a mini portfolio for each guy in terms of deciding what what the best fit is for them in terms of moving forward, short term and long term. Um, some guys. Uh, are more keen to stay home uh, where they are right now, and, and some guys are more keen to pursue a new opportunity. So it's always a little bit different for each player. Can you tell us a little bit about the impact of, of the new negotiation period, which is going to go on until Sunday? This is kind of a, uh, a little window here for, for players to, to start talking before they can actually sign. Like, What's the impact of this? Does this make the negotiation period sort of a better process? Yeah, I think it's it's cleaned some things up uh, from the past. O- over the years, um, you know, some teams might be a little bit more inclined to to tamper uh, behind closed doors than others. I think it's just created a completely even field for all teams to have open communication with agents like myself, as well as just the individual players. Um, what I like about it is that um, this year I'm able to have my clients go on the phone with all different sorts of people with the clubs uh, from coaches to management staff to you know all, also other teammates that they might have and it just really puts themselves in a in a more comfortable situation of making a big decision for them and their families come um, February 11th so uh, I've enjoyed that part of it just it, it's increased the communication uh, leading up to free agency 
One of the challenges uh, I'm wondering is that the salary cap didn't go up by very much, but I think minimum salaries are going up almost $10,000. So that's got to be a concern for trying to get the players the most that they can. And and is there any revenue coming that you think could bump up the cap at some point? Um, Yeah, I can can certainly speak to the cap situation in terms of, yeah, minimum going up 11,000. And the cap only going up 50, sorry, minimum going up per player, 11,000, and the cap going up only 50. I think most GMs are telling me that it's actually sort of reduced their spending budget by about uh, anywhere from 100 to about 150,000. So um, it has made it a little tricky. I, I know GMs are, are really sorting through their rosters and looking at where they want to spend and where they might need to uh, make some cuts, uh, position group by position group. Um, so there'll still be players that get their payday. It's the same every year. Um, certain players will get their payday and, um, certain position groups might take a bit of a hit and it's just sort of a balancing act of, uh, you know, making sure you're prepared to understand what each team's caps look like and where they want to spend and make sure you make the best decision for each guy moving forward. Rob Fry joining us on Inside Sports, player agent for many players around the Canadian Football League. And, of course, free agency will uh, start. Players can announce uh, their signings as, as early as Tuesday. So I'm wondering, and I had Natea Jay on the show a couple of days ago, and he was all of a sudden released by the Eskimos. There was a bonus coming, and, um, you know, there were yeah. some discussions about restructuring the con- contract, and the Eskimos decided to let him go. He's quickly signed with Toronto, so good for him. But but I said to Nate, I mean that's a harsh reality that there are there are no guarantees for a lot of players in the Canadian Football League that you can just be let go. I mean I know there might be some exceptions, but can you how, like how do you deal with that reality and and some of the frustration that must come with it for uh, both for you as an agent and, and for some of your clients like that? To me, that's a pretty harsh reality they got to live in. Yeah, it's it's a real unfortunate part of the way the CFL is set up. And, you know, you, you see the NHL and the NBA and you, you see how those players' contracts are guaranteed and how nice that must be having that peace of mind, um, knowing that this is what your family can budget for for the, you know, for the next few years on your contract and know that you're good to get that. In the CFL, it, it's just so important, a couple things with these types of bonuses, um, setting expectation with the player. You know, you see it over and over and over that players get released before these bonuses are due. So you want to make sure that it's not going to be a surprise if it's going to happen. You want to make sure you're talking it through with the client and understanding that this is a reality that you could get released before this bonus. So you can't count on that bonus when you're budgeting for your future. But that bonus still serves um, a good role in a player's setup contract setup uh, you know speaking for uh, Jay, his, his agent would have done a good job for him or if he did his own deal there to, to have that bonus in play because um the main thing is that if you have that bonus in a contract prior to free agency then it still serves a good purpose of having the club make a decision on that player um prior to that date and if it's before free agency well then if the club wants to go a different direction at least in Ajay's um, situation, he has the ability to sign with another club before all the money gets spent. So, um, yeah, nothing is guaranteed in, in the CFL other than your signing bonus. 
So if you can have a roster bonus put in, in place prior to free agency, that's always a nice thing to have uh, for a player if they're going to do a multi-year contract, which is good that he had that and can pursue another uh, opportunity before all the money gets spent. Well, it's a really uh, interesting side of the business, side of the sport, one that we often don't get a lot of insight into. So thanks for bringing that to us uh, tonight, Rob. I know you got a lot of work to do over the next few days. Really appreciate you checking in on Inside Sports. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on, Reed. We'll have to do this again. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.